0: Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. We wrapped up our 21 days of dedication on Wednesday. It's the third year in a row we've done this, taking three weeks in January to intentionally dedicate the rest of our year to the Lord. I was super, if I can be proud of fellow adults, I was super proud of the way everybody participated and Engaged. And many of you fasted as you were able to do that. That's great. For me, refried beans, first time in my life. I don't know. You got to get protein somewhere. That's what they say. So I don't know. Last year, I tried avocados. The year before, I tried beets. Yeah. This may be the last year we do the 21 days of, we may be done at this point. Uh, so anyway, I was, the thing that I, I was most impre- all of it was great. Worship nights were great. Really appreciate you guys coming out on Wednesday nights. The 168 hours straight of prayer, I did not know how that would go. Seven days, 24 hours, I did not know if we would be able to do it. And we did. I was super, again, just really blown away by the level of participation. We had people around the world who signed up for these things, Are ministry partners who were in other parts of the world signed up, which was great because they're in a different time zone, so that got us through some of those (laughs) tough times at night, but it was really good. I really was, again, just if I, as an adult, can be proud of other adults, I really was proud of the way everybody participated, so thank you all for doing that. And remember, it's just three weeks out of 52, but the idea for us is between now and the end of the year to grow in confidence that because Jesus is our good shepherd, We don't lack anything. So not because Jesus is our good shepherd, we get everything we want, or not because Jesus is our good shepherd, everything works out the way we want it to, but because Jesus is our good shepherd, he both takes care of us and he manages our life well. That part is hard for a lot of us. We get the care part. We don't sometimes connect to the fact that he actually manages our lives better than we do on our own. And so my hope is again over the course of this year that we would each and all grow in our confidence that that's a true statement for us. We'll be circling back to it several times over the course of the next 11 months. And I do hope that you're doing that read-through-the-Bible-in-a-year plan. That'll help you kind of stay connected to him as your shepherd. Okay, we're going to start looking at 1 Peter. Uh, why, why that book? What is that book? Who wrote 1 Peter? P- Peter, the apostle, wrote it. He wrote it to, you'll see behind me, he wrote it, this is all the traditional view and there's not really any reason to, to discount it. He was in Rome at the time, that's the yellow star and he wrote to um, a, a circuit of churches in modern day Turkey and chances are that he, he never got there. Those are, these aren't people that he knows personally, they're prod, predominantly Gentile churches and they're experiencing persecution and Peter is writing to them saying, This is is how you can bear up well under persecution. Here's what it looks like to be faithful when you're being persecuted. Probably written towards the end of his life. Tradition has, he was martyred in 64 AD, and so this was probably written in 62, 63. Why do we pick it? We're not persecuted, so what does this book have to say to us? One, last year we did Mark, and most people think that Mark is Peter's version of his time with Jesus. So, So Mark is recording Peter's recollections of his first three years with Jesus, and honestly, Peter doesn't come across as great throughout the book. He's, he's just young, and he's kind of impetuous and all those kinds of things, and so I thought, well, let's see what he looks like in the last few years of his life. What, what's, what's the trajectory for him in terms of maturity? But there's a couple of words in it that grab me, and we'll look at them today. Elected exiles. And that's an identity statement. For most of us, when we think of our identity as Christians, we think of being sons and daughters of God, which is 100% true. He's our father. He's adopted us into his family. We're his sons and daughters. This idea of being elect exiles, for me, and I would assume that the same for many of you, that's not part of my conscious awareness of who I am as a follower of Jesus. And so over the next however many months it takes us to walk through 1 Peter, we, my, my hope and prayer is that that, that sliver, it's more than a sliver, that 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 segment of our identity as followers of Jesus is highlighted, and and we can begin to take a bit more ownership of that. So today, I don't have a ton to share today. We're just going to look at two verses just to get started. Um, Verses one and two. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiled, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So we're gonna look at three words in three phrases. Three words are elect, exiles, scattered. And so again, these are identity statements. Peter's writing to multiple churches and he's saying, here's who y'all are as Christians, and so this applies to us. Even though, again, we don't live in any kind of a state of persecution, these are true statements for all Christians. We're elect; that is, we're we're chosen or we're selected. We're we're picked out for a purpose. When I when I think of election, I think of corporate. Some people think of it individual, and that's okay. That's just not it's not where where I land. That God has chosen certain individuals to go to heaven and others not. Although that's. Again, some of you believe that, and that's okay. I don't think that we'll get hung up on that as we move through 1 Peter. For me, it's a a corporate election that he's elected the church with a capital C, and that everyone who's a part of the church that's not joining a local congregation, that's being connected to Jesus through faith, then then we're, we're part of this elect group. We've been chosen, selected for a purpose we're exiles. So that word sojourners, that's not really a word that we use often. That's a good synonym. Pilgrims, um, strangers. It's the idea of someone who's temporarily living in a foreign land. And temporary is a big part of it. So it, you, you, we, we could almost say someone who's passing through. Maybe a bit walking slowly though. You're not, you're not running through, but you're passing through. You recognize this isn't my home. Again, I'm a I'm an alien, if we can use that word, in this place. This is not my native land. Scattered, that's where we get the word dispersion from. It's the, the idea of being spread around. When Peter wrote this, there's a million Jews who lived in the Holy Land and two to four million who lived outside of Palestine, and they were called the diaspora. That's that same word as scattered. It comes from the same word. And Peter's taken that word that was applied to the Jews, and he's applied it to the church. And he said, that's, that's y'all. There's no reason to think any of these guys had ever moved in their whole life. No, there's no reason to think that he's writing to people who were mobile. Most likely, they, they and their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents, they'd all grown up in the same towns and villages where these guys are who are getting this letter from Peter. He's not talking for them about geography. But he's saying, you guys have been scattered. This is not your home you have been scattered. I was in India last week, and it's easy in a place like that for these words to come kind of full bore. Uh, I was visiting some of our ministry partners, and again, to look at them, it's easy to say, well, you guys are elect exiles who are scattered. And in our passage, I didn't say this, elect is an adjective that, matter, that modifies exile, so those, those two need to be taken together. Your Bible may have a comma in between, but that's actually, a, doesn't need to be there. When I was in India visiting these folks, these are Americans. They're, they're, they were raised here in metro Atlanta, and they've, they've been chosen to go and live in northern India in this place called Patna, and they've lived there for nine years. And it's obvious that they're foreigners. They look different. We went to the zoo when I landed People came up to me and put their arm around me to take a picture. <laughs> I loved it it's awesome. <laughs> that I, I was an attraction at the zoo <laughs> because i'm white. They just ha- i mean that's what they said. They said this happens to us all the time everywhere we go we're about there' us and our teammates are, are the only. When, when he was describing where they lived, I had in my mind kind of this rural area. There's six million people in the city, and it's considered a small town. That's, that was, that's India. But he said, we're, there, there's just not most of these folks, there, there's us and our partners, we're the white people in our city of six million. And so yeah, people take our picture all the time. So it's, again, it's obvious that they're exa- like they're foreigners. They're strangers. They don't speak the language. It's different food, it's different culture. The driving is completely different, the way they get all of it, really different. It's obvious when I'm with them to say, yeah, you guys are elect, y'all been picked for this. Nobody would choose it. You guys are exiles, this is not your homeland and you've been scattered, God has sent you here. It's easy to see it for them. Where I get tripped up and maybe you do too is I don't necessarily apply those things to me. I grew up half a mile down the road I've, I'm 47, almost 48. I lived in Athens for four years. I lived in Wilmore, Kentucky, for three. I've lived here for 41. I don't feel like an exile where I live. I'm super comfortable here, which sometimes can be part of the problem. This is an identity statement for me and for you. Elect exiles scattered. Easy for these minute for these people that I was with last week. They, they live and breathe that every minute of the day. They're reminded of those things, particularly of their foreignness. Every minute of every day, I'm reminded, not of my foreignness, but you know, of, of the fact that this is, this is my place. This, this is what I know. These are the people that I've grown up with. I'm at a disadvantage in that, and maybe you are too. Some of you have moved in and maybe it still feels a little foreign to you. For those of you who've been here for a while, it's easy to get kind of caught up in just the the overweening culture of Marietta and it can can cause us some problems. Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven and it's easy to forget that when you're comfortable in the place where you live. Paul says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. That's a difficult thing to do when we eat and breathe and drink the cultural rhythms of our community. So I just want you to keep that in mind. What does that look like? If that's a true statement about you, again, not geography, spiritually. This is not our home. What does it look like for you to live as an elect exile who's been scattered three phrases that help fill this out according to the foreknowledge of God the Father foreknowledge can just mean knowing in advance that's the most basic meaning so God knows what shoes you're going to wear on Tuesday and he knows what you're going to have for breakfast on June 18th he just he knows those things because he's omniscient that's part of being all knowing as he knows the future it's future to us. To him, he stands outside of time, so everything's present, but that hurts our head to think about. So the easiest thing to say is he knows the future. But there's another sense to foreknowledge that you see occasionally, and, and this, this is one of those uh, instances that means it carries the idea of plan or purpose, Acts 2 talks about Jesus being crucified according to the foreknowledge of the Father. So that's, just not, that's not just the Father seeing into the future that Jesus is gonna be crucified. It's part of his plan and purpose. The shoes that you wear on Tuesday and the breakfast that you eat on June 18th, that, there's no plan and purpose to that. You just, you're making a decision. But this idea of being an elect exile who's scattered, there is plan and purpose behind that. That word according to clues us in according to what we would say is the plan and purpose of God that was intended from a really long time ago, from eternity even, that his people would be elect exiles who are scattered. It's not accidental or incidental. It's intentional and it's essential. That's, it's part of the core of who we are as followers of Jesus, that we're elect exiles who are scattered? And you can you can imagine if you're living in a place where you're being persecuted. That's comforting to know. I, I'm not here accidentally. I'm not here because I'm being punished. God hadn't forgot about me. This is this is all kind of this is part of what He's doing. This is part of this long ordained plan and purpose of His. It doesn't necessarily make the pain go away, but it maybe provides some context for understanding it, and that's important for us to keep in mind as well you are where you are, you've been scattered there. And you may be looking at it as a series of mishaps and disappointments and mistakes and bad choices. But if you could maybe step back a little bit, there might be a different thread that runs through why you are where you are in your life. Maybe it's because of the foreknowledge of God. I don't, he doesn't control every decision that we make but he has plans and purposes that he's working out. We're elect exiles who are scattered through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is a process of being made holy, and there's an immediate and an ongoing element. So when we become Christians at the point of conversion, it's kind of like you take a bath. You're washed clean. Ephesians 5.26 talks about being washed with water. Old hymns talk about being washed in the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus, It's this idea that we receive forgiveness and we're clean, so we're declared holy. You can think of that as initial sanctification. You're declared holy in that moment. You're clean, just like when you step out of the shower. But then there's an ongoing process of sanctification where where we're constantly being refined. Our character is constantly being shaped. We're, We're being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. So there's a sense in which What God would say to all of us is be who you are. You are holy, so be holy. To be holy is to be set apart from the world and to be set apart for Him. And that's again a lifelong process of that work in our hearts, which can feel burdensome. It's like, ah, I've got to become like Jesus. Never gonna make it. It's the holy it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, not the sanctifying work of Brady or DJ. It's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. That's part of his name, holy. He he, he knows how to do that. He doesn't do that against our will. If we resist, then then we're not going to be sanctified. But if that's a desire that we have, we can open ourselves up and say, Holy Spirit, would you make me more like Jesus? To be honest, a lot of times it feels a bit like sandpaper. But that's part of, That's the refining process. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't actually know that I want to be made holy. Well, then you can say to him, Holy Spirit, I don't really wanna be made holy, but it seems like the right thing to do, so can you make me want to be holy? And he can, he'll work even with that little crack of the door. He can work with that. It's his work. There's a, a lot of us, we can fall into this trap the Galatians did. We, we know that we're saved by grace. We, we can't make ourselves clean. We know that. And so we receive forgiveness, that initial cleansing. But then what Paul says to the Galatians is, that's how you began. Well, why are you trying to finish in your flesh? And that's what a lot of us do. Again, it's like think we get out of the shower initially and we recognize we've been forgiven and we're clean. And then we think, oh, it's my job to stay this way. And we work really hard and it's all up to us and our own effort instead of recognizing it's the Holy Spirit who lives in us who does that work of making us more like Jesus. We're elect exiles who are scattered. We're we're, we're joined to this body. It's us, corporately. We're joined to this body through the, the initial and the ongoing sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Last thing, we're elect exiles who are scattered to be obedient to Jesus and to be sprinkled with his blood. I think, I think the background here is Exodus 24. So just a quick recap. God has delivered the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. They've been slaves for 400 years. They make bricks, that's what they do. They cry out to God for mercy because Pharaoh is continuing to, he's oppressing them. And so God sends Moses as a deliverer. And then you remember the story, the 10 plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea. It's a, if it's, we can kind of see that as trite. If you go back and look at it, it's a pretty amazing story. 600,000 men plus women and children are, sent, are, are delivered from bondage. So they're, they're the labor force for the Egyptians. And the Egyptians say to them at the end, please leave. Take our gold, take our silver, take clothes. You take whatever you want, just get out of here. Think about that. They send their entire labor force away for nothing. The Israelites, they, they, they don't fight. There is no battling. It's all because of these signs and wonders that God works through Moses. And they're so profound that the, that the Egyptians are saying, get we don't want any more. And that's not even counting crossing the Red Sea. And so then God leads Moses up to Mount Sinai and he gives him some other things, but just for our sake, the the 10 commandments, those two tablets. Moses comes down the mountain and he says to the Israelites, all right, here's the deal. He wants to be our God. Do you wanna be his people? If so, we gotta keep these 10 commandments. Do y'all wanna do that? And they all say yes. Then Moses takes some bulls and he slaughters them and he takes the blood from the bulls and he sprinkles them on the people. So that's obedience and then the sprinkling of blood, which is what we just saw in 1 Peter 1, 2. Obedience first and the sprinkling of blood. So what I hear Peter saying is we're exiled, we're scattered, we're elect. All of that is for the sake of covenantal relationship. It's for relationship. It's what it means to be the people of God. It means to be an elect exile who's scattered. That's, the, that's the, the pattern for covenant making, both old and new. The first thing God does is he delivers people. He does it in the Old Testament. He delivers the, Egyptians, excuse me, the Israelites from Egypt. He does it in the New Covenant. He delivers us from sin and Satan and death. And then he says, I'll be your God. Do you want to be my people? And if you want to be my people, in the Old Covenant, it's, hey, keep these 10 commandments. In the New, it's keep these two, love God and love people, the greatest commandment and the second one like it. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then he says, through, through blood. Bulls in the old covenant, Jesus in the new. And that blood signifies the, the weightiness, the seriousness. This is not a casual relationship. This is literally a matter of life and death. God is inviting us into covenant with him, which again can be a comforting thought if you're being kicked around and run over and, squeezed and pressed and persecuted. It can be a comforting thought to be, to be reminded. I, I'm, I'm, I am in exile and I'm scattered, but I'm also chosen. And I'm chosen according to the plan and purpose of God. The Holy Spirit's the one who's connected me in to this group of people. That's, that wasn't my doing. He's the one who's connected me in. And all of it is for the sake of ongoing relationship with the Father, that's what the purpose of this is. As we close this morning, we're gonna take communion the way we do that. You're gonna come forward a row at a time, break off a piece of bread, dip it in the juice. There's gluten-free communion and the prepackaged whatever you feel the most comfortable with. And I wanna give you a couple of things to be thinking about. Um, again, we'll unpack all of this idea of being elect exiles over the next several weeks and months. But what I want you thinking about this morning is this idea of being conformed to the patterns of the world or living as a citizen of heaven. And we can't go through every specific of that. And so we're gonna pray a prayer together and just ask the Holy Spirit to, to show us. Is there a particular area in your life right now where you're aware, I'm being conformed to the patterns of the world. It may be the way that you approach money. It may be the way you're, you're approaching your job. Maybe the way you're approaching a relationship. It may be the way you're approaching parenting. There may be, again, it's it's so easy for us because we're living and moving and breathing in this culture to be conformed to the dominant ideals and value systems of this culture. To be, to, to be conformed is easy. It's almost by default. We've got to be intentional to lean against or to go against the dominant cultural patterns. Many of these things we just take for granted. And so we wanna take a bit of a time out this morning and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Where, where, am I, where am I missing this? Is there a place where I'm not living as a citizen of heaven, where I'm not living as an exile? I'm just kinda, I'm, I'm one of the crowd. Two other things that are have nothing to do with what we talked about that I wanna give you an opportunity to pray to be, receive prayer for. One is healing. A lot of times we tie that into communion from Psalm 103. God forgives us of our sins and he heals us of our diseases. If you have a physical condition, we would love to pray for you today. And we just pray and we leave the results up to God and kind of the way that would look for you as you'll come forward, there'll be a ministry team here. They'll take some oil and make a cross on your hand and they're just gonna pray for healing we are not gonna say, God, if it's your will, we, we don't know, he only does his will. So we don't ask him about that. We just say, would you heal? And then he can decide what that looks like. So if, if you're sick, whether that's a chronic condition or you, you just have a cold, we would love to pray with you. And then the other, I was thinking about this last night. If you're facing a decision, we would love to pray for Jesus as the good shepherd to guide you. Remember we said shepherds in the Middle East walk in front of their sheep, not behind. So he's out in front. And so we wanna pray that he would lead you down the best path, those right paths from Psalm 23. That may be a decision about a relationship. It may be a decision about a career. I don't know, personal. But if, you, if you're facing a decision, we would love to pray for you. So those three, we'll pray with you about whatever you got going on, but those three things specifically. Is there an area where you're being conformed to the patterns of this world? For most of us, the answer is, is yes. Are you sick? And would you like prayer for healing? Are you facing a decision and you would like guidance and direction? So if you're helping with communion or a ministry team, would you come forward and get in your spot? And then we're gonna read uh, or pray a prayer together. Y'all can stay seated for that. And then we will take, um, we'll take communion and then Bo will dismiss us in a few minutes. We'll make sure we have enough folks. Let's see, y'all gonna be over here, Bob and Kay? Thanks, perfect, thanks, all right, I think we're good. All right, let's um, pray this prayer together. Father, I acknowledge that you have made us elect exiles who are scattered throughout this community. I also acknowledge that I don't always live as a citizen of heaven. (laughs) Holy Spirit, please bring to mind any areas of my life where I'm being conformed to the patterns of this world. So take about 20 or 30 seconds and just see if anything comes to your mind. So if something came to your mind and you're willing to repent, you can just pray a prayer like this in your own heart. You don't have to to say anything out loud. God, I confess that I'm being conformed to the pattern of the world in fill in the blank, whatever that is, area of my life. I repent and I pray that you would forgive me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would empower me in this area to live as a citizen of heaven. It's not easy for me. I'm asking for your strength to do it. God, for all of us, my prayers today and this week and over the next three, four, five, six months, I pray that all of us would come to know ourselves as elect exiles who are scattered. Just as much as we know ourselves as son and daughters, we would recognize the the truth of this element and aspect of our identity. I pray that you would make us sensitive to the times when we're living as a citizen of this world and not a citizen of heaven. And I pray that more and more, not for the sake of being weird, not for the sake of being different, not for the sake of standing out, none of those things, but for the sake of being faithful. God, I pray that we would live as elect exiles. We'd recognize that it's according to your plan and purpose that we are where we are. This is a pause. Um, I do wonder, I don't know this, but I do wonder if there's one or two of you, like like where you are in your life, you think it's the result of a series of mishaps and bad choices. And you're kind of saying, I'm just... I made my bed and now I'm lying in it. I would love, I don't think that's true. And I would love if that's you, for you to, you need, I'll be sitting over here, you can come grab me or one of the prayer teams just to pray for you that God would maybe help you see your story from a different perspective. So, un- unpause. God, I pray for those who are sick, that you bring healing to their bodies. I pray for those who are at a fork in the road, that you be really clear about the right path that they need to walk. I pray as we take communion, this would not just be a physical act or a ritual, but we would open ourselves up to your grace that we so desperately need. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week.